This episode of Remnant Radio is brought to you in part by our sponsors at Kairos Classrooms. Have you ever thought about learning a biblical language as a supplemental tool in your biblical studies? Well, Kairos Classrooms offers real classroom environments with with classmates and a live instructor who can help teach you biblical languages, both Greek and Hebrew. You need to check out Kairos Classrooms today. Uh, The price for a single semester is crazy affordable for anyone, so check out the links in the description and use promo code REMNANT to get 10% off Kairos Classrooms. Check out Kairos Classrooms today. Discount code R-E-M-N-A-N-T, REMNANT, to get 10% off your semester. Hey guys, welcome to this episode of Remnant Radio. We're talking about dream interpretation. It's not an episode you want to sleep out on. (laughs) You are watching the Remnant Radio, a crowdfunded show where we interview pastors, teachers, historians, and theologians from different churches and denominations. My name is Joshua Lewis, and this is my co-host, Michael Roundtree. Together, we want to help you break outside of your theological echo chambers. If you're interested in learning about history, theology, or the gifts of the Spirit, this is the show for you. Full disclosure, none of the guys actually know what I'm going to say when I hit the live button. And I could see the look of disappointment just empty out of Miller's eyes when I said that. Like, just so, like, so defeated. Like, why do we let this guy intro the show? Guys, thank you so much for watching this episode of Remnant Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, We got a lot of great content. If you're not familiar, make sure to subscribe to the channel. Uh, We come out with content like this every week. Uh, History, theology, and the gifts of the spirit. Like the video, subscribe as we're constantly coming out with content just like this. I want to encourage you uh, to check out the links in the description if you want to support the channel. Uh, There's a link uh, for PayPal for a one-time gift, or if you want to give on Patreon, you can be a reoccurring giver as low as five bucks a month. You'll get access to extra content. Now, I have to mention this before I introduce the fellas, uh, but I have to bring them on screen so that I can introduce this. We have this super dope conference. We're all leaving for tomorrow. We're all getting on planes. There's going to be this conference with healing and deliverance. Uh, A bunch of charlatans are showing up to pray for sick folk. Uh, We would encourage (laughs) you to go. Um, (laughs) You can see all their faces there. Uh, Myself, Michael Miller, Michael Roundtree, Dawson, a lot of our small group leaders for the e-course. Uh, we're gonna have a lot of really cool, uh, yeah, sermons, testimonies, power encounter stuff. Uh, there's a link for that in the description as well. Registration yeah. might have closed, but we have lots of room because we just moved to a third venue because the space keeps growing. We keep having more people register, so you might be able to register online, but we will for sure be taking registrations out the door. So if you live uh, in the area, you want to come check it out. Make sure to be there. Um, anything I'm missing, fellas? There's there's gonna be some deliverance happening and some healing. I mean, I hope, yeah. I'm excited. That would be so we're going to do Miller and I are both going to talk about deliverance and you and Dawson are both going to talk about healing and man, it is, it's going to be something else. I'm super excited, uh, not just about the teaching time, but about the ministry time and the demonstration just to see what God, I mean, God's moving in our nation right now and, uh, and across not just our nation, but the face of the earth and some pretty powerful ways. Um, you know, we, my church just last night, we, we, we were up at, uh, we had like, a meeting i think we shut it down about midnight 30 last night and it was probably going to end should have ended around nine or so but uh i say should have that was maybe the plan but uh you know things don't always go as planned but god's moving and so i'm i'm just just the timing of this is just exciting to me guys well the timing of this podcast is really exciting to me because we've We've tried to do this pro- program like four times, it feels like. We keep postponing it. People in the comment section are like, did someone get a prophetic dream before they posted this graphic? Because you're kind of letting me down and I want to make sure you're actually going to do it this time. Is this really God? Are you guys really doing this? Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Um, anyway, so we are for sure today talking about dream interpretation. Uh, Michael Rountree is going to lead us through 
the magical land that is Willy Wonka's dreams. Uh, Roundtree, do you want to do you want to begin kick sure. off this conversation? It's <laughs> a horrible. Yeah, introduction. you know, um, <laughs> Willy Wonka's sometimes dreams. we talk about when we when we talk about prophecy, we talk about there's revelation, then interpretation, then application, and the revelation. Uh, from God is never wrong, but where we can muddle it up is in the interpretation and application. That holds true whether we're talking about a vision or a dream. And in fact, the biblical language for it, sometimes we'll, we'll refer to dreams as visions, like a vision in the night kind of deal. So, uh, so these kind of go together a little bit. We're going to be especially zeroing in here on the interpretation dynamic. But, um, but yeah, so I'm going to walk you through just, uh, I mean, I will, we will just walk through what does it look like to interpret dreams and we could add in there and visions. Um, but uh, so so we'll just, uh, I, I mean, I'm ready to jump in. Miller, were there any sort of like uh, precursors, previews, prefaces that you want to put on this before I jump in? No, no, jump in, man. Okay, so um, so how do you interpret? The, the very first question uh, to ask, and this is where I think one of the biggest mistakes that people make is, was is this literal or is this symbolic? Like, for instance, um, you know, I've, I've had dreams or people have had dreams about, you know, say somebody who suddenly dies and they start freaking out like, oh, no, this person's going to die. And, uh, and, and so what I would just say is, well, let's just take that one. You, you don't want to assume offhand that it's literal. You also don't want to assume that it's only symbolic. What you do is you want to ask the Lord. And so the journey of interpreting, and I, and I really think of it as a journey, is it becomes this conversation with God. It's like Joseph uh, says when he's asked, do not all interpretations come from God? The point is like, I don't want to create this sort of framework like this always means this and that always means that. And I actually get nervous about that sort of thing in charismatic circles. Like here's my dream book and here are all the dream circle or dream symbols. And uh, if you have a dream about a car, that always represents a ministry. And if you have a, a I mean, I will say like cars often do represent ministries and dreams, but like I, I just get nervous about that. I always want to rely on the Holy Spirit. Lord, you show me what the interpretation is here. And um, and so literal and symbolic would be like, if it was a literal death, then this would be a warning dream. And you're, say, you're supposed to pray, Lord, please stop this from happening. And I've had plenty of warning dreams in my day. And, um, and then on the symbolic side, if it was symbolic, it could be sort of like a death of something or like a something coming to an end would probably be what it meant. Uh, but you'd still want to rely on the Holy Spirit. And you just have to ask him, is this literal or symbolic? But that's really the first question that you ask. And I would say probably, I don't know uh, if, if this stands true to y'all's experience, but I would say in my experience, when it comes to the dream world, 90% of dreams are probably symbolic. That's not like, I don't have a Bible verse for that. I'm just using my experience. I would say that's probably true. And in reality, in, in the scripture, most of the dreams are also symbolic. Uh, but Miller, Josh, you guys have any feedback there? I'm, I'm curious if, yeah. one, if you would add anything into that, if that's your experience too, in terms of the literal symbolic proportion. But also I'm curious if you've ever, uh, if you've ever had a dream where you thought it was literal and it turned out to be symbolic or vice versa. So you've got scriptural precedent for both the things you just mentioned. You've got uh, Daniel in Daniel 2 having, uh, or King Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 2 having a dream about that statue with all these different materials. And it's highly symbolic. Like there's nothing literal about that dream. And then you've got um, Joseph having a dream about 
uh, Herod coming to seek the life of his child where an angel visits him in a dream. And there's nothing symbolic about that one. That one is entirely literal. He needs to flee. And mm -hmm. so I think you see both of those. What about you, Josh? Bro, you said Joseph, and I was like Joseph Old Testament, not Joseph New Testament. And I'm like, what are you talking oh, Joseph, about, bro? Joseph, G the father of Jesus. Yeah, 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 yeah. I caught up. I caught up towards the end, and I was like, wait, no. Like, uh, I wonder how much of their there being real overlap. So, <clears throat> one of the interesting things about dreams is like, oftentimes they do have like a very plain understand, like a plain comprehension i think of uh the joseph of the old testament and he's like I, there was these 12 stars and they were all bowing down to me and so was the sun and the moon and and these sweets of chaff like they were all bowing down to me and like it was crazy and there was 12 of them and he's got 12 brothers and they're all like you dumb idiot like we all knew what it means and they were like angry at him for those those dreams that again he didn't conjure uh but they literally happened so in in some sense is it symbolic Yes, these things represent other things, but then at other times it's also absolutely literal. Um, those, those, there's a mixture those, of both. Uh, in it. Yeah, the store, the stars physically, literally represented his brothers, and they literally came down to Egypt later on in the story and physically bowed down to him. So, um, yeah, and then and then like Joseph with the 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 bread, you know, baker and the cupbearer, similar, symbolic, but also very literal, like it actually happened. Um, you know, so when you say symbol, Michael, maybe clarify that for me as we're walking through this. Do you mean God is using an image to represent something so he can communicate to me? Or do you mean that this is actually going to play out in history? What do you mean when you say symbol um, and real? Because I can see first, people having a hard time parsing these two things. Because the first one, because I mean, I, I would say, I mean, the stars, it's the stars did not, they were representative of the brothers, but whether it was the stars or whether... Uh, it's, you know, sheaves uh, or whatever it is that's bowing down. There was a literal bowing down. So to your point, there was a literal aspect of it. There was a bowing down, but the symbolism, uh, but there was a symbolic aspect as well. And so I think that's one thing to keep in mind is that there can be a mixture. Uh, another one that is a mixture would be the, the dream about the Macedonian in Acts 16. And Paul, you know, they try to go to Bithynia, but the spirit of uh, Christ would not let them. And then uh, they try to go to Mysia and then the Holy Spirit won't let them go there either. And so then Paul has a dream. And it's of a Macedonian waving, please come over here and, and help us. And they all conclude that God's called them to go to Macedonia. I mean, so there's a, a literal element to it. There's a Macedonian and Macedonia. Like, I mean, that's kind of like a one-to-one. -one. There's not even like symbolism in that. Uh, but there is a symbolic element and that it was just a random dude and they go there and their first person to minister to is not a dude. It's actually Lydia, uh, a non-dude, <laughs> a woman. And, and so they didn't, <laughs> is that it is a non-dude, you know, a woman, I, I know. Not, not a they, not a they, Michael, the word you're looking for is a woman. <laughs> there you go. So, uh, but I mean, I, I know like David Watson, one of the guys who disciple me, he tells me about like, you know, going into a village in India and, uh, and there was this guy who lived there who had been telling the village people for like, uh, I want to say like two decades, there's a white man that's going to come and he is going to share some message with us that we need to believe. And then he goes there and they're like, you're a white man and you're the guy in my dream. Tell us what we're supposed to believe. And he tells them and he says, the whole, you know, he baptizes the whole village. And David Watson has all kinds of stories like that. That was literal. He was the like dude. That. He was the dude in the vision, but we don't have any indicator 
I mean, perhaps the Macedonian was the jailer that ends up getting saved later in Acts 16, but I don't think so. Uh, it seems to me like a mixture of, of literal and symbolic. So Josh, I think to your point, what do I mean when I say symbolic? Some, an image that represents something else, like stars representing people. What do I mean when I say literal? Uh, I mean, if, if God in the dream appears to you and says, go to Macedonia, then that's literal, right? So, the, uh, yeah, Miller. Well, here, take this as a case study. Uh, Michael, you may or may not remember this. I don't know. This happened at Wellspring. Sure, I'll don't. just, uh, yeah, maybe. I'll just tell you the dream, and then you guys tell me symbolic or literal, and then I'll tell you what happened afterwards. So um, back when, when we used to be on the schedule at Wellspring to, to get up and give words to people and that kind of thing, um, the night before church, I had a dream where there was a woman on the left-hand side of the church, and she had this, like, uh, for lack of a better term, glass dome that sort of was over her body to where she just stood like a, like a board, stiff like this. Um, mm -hmm. And she was standing up on the left-hand side of the church. That was the dream. That was all that was in it. 100% literal, bro. She well, I know it's literal. I've heard you preach this sermon. A, My favorite part about this dome. sermon is you're like, if you need healing, raise your hand. And she... <laughs> she, she, the same, the same story. she had a dog. Ruining on. my story, bro. Story. Hold on, Miller. So did you really think that we were gonna like I mean that's like the most obvious question ever? <laughs> like, was this symbolic or literal? Well, so here's the Obviously, thing. Most people didn't have a dome. So is this like a joke? Is this a trick question? Help us. No, no, no. Think about it. Okay, okay. So what should I do then? I have this dream the night before I'm supposed to get up and do something prophetic at Wellspring. Uh, what do I do? Do I get up and say, hey, there's somebody here with a dome on your body okay. and you're a woman? No. So you're, so you're not asking, is it literal or symbolic, but rather what might it symbolize? Well, yeah, what, yeah, yeah. What might it symbolize? Okay. Yeah. So if, if her arms were kind of frozen to the side, I, I think, first of all, if that was me, I would have come into the church just praying and asking the Lord to highlight to me what which person it was. And then I would wait for the musical portion of the worship, and I would look for the person that was like struggling to raise their hand. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> too far. Too soon, Michael. Too soon. Too okay. Soon. Uh, <laughs> after the Ken Fish deliverance at Michael's church last night. <laughs> oh, that was amazing. Okay, but um, no, I would ask the Lord to highlight to me. Lord, show me the person that that was. And my expectation would probably be, uh, so here's what I would be asking the Lord, because it to me, like intuitively, it could the interpretation could go in one of two directions. One direction, it could be for a physical healing. Maybe she has like frozen shoulders or something. Like she, uh, she just can't. She has something wrong with her arms. Okay. Um, it could also be more like she's in a situation where she feels stuck, where uh, maybe she's trying to like reach out for help, but she feels like she can't. And so I would just ask the Lord, Lord, show me who this is and show me whether this is uh, more about her being metaphorically stuck or whether her arms can't be moved. So I guess to your point, I made fun of you, Miller. I guess there was both a symbolic and a literal possibility for that. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the whole point. That's why I, I think that's a great dream as an example. So what happened was I showed up at Wellspring that morning. I said, here's the dream I had. Uh, I think what it means is that there's a woman over here. And I pointed to the left side of the church where the woman was sitting in my dream or standing in my dream. 
And I said over in this area that, that has either a frozen shoulder or some sort of impediment where she can't move her arm. Um, and if so, if that's you, raise your hand. And that's when everybody at the church laughed at me. And, and then this lady stood up and we got prayer and she was healed of frozen shoulder. But there's also an implied application to this, which is uh, if the Lord is giving you a, a an insight into what somebody has, you don't just walk away and say, wow, praise the Lord. He revealed something to me. You then pray for the person to be healed. Yeah. Well, and then. So what about dreams that. Well, let me make this point too, but applicationally, there's also this Miller, um, you know, what I had suggested was a little different from what you did. You shared the actual revelation and said, does this mm -hmm. apply to someone over here, which kind of gave them space to either interpret it one way or another. Uh, I would say that when I'm delivering prophetic words, there are times when I share the picture or the vision or the, or the dream. And there are times when I don't. And like, if I didn't in that scenario, I might just say, hey, I just felt like the Lord was showing me someone over here has frozen shoulders. And um, and I would just kind of share the interpretation. And which direction I go with that kind of depends. One, I just ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want to share? And that's, again, why I call this a journey. Like like uh -huh. hearing God with the original revelation is just the first part of it. You're You're connecting with God for the interpretation and the application all the way through. And so applicationally, I always want to come down to, uh, you know, Lord, do you want, I mean, one of the things I asked, do you want me to share this picture, this impression, or do you not? And, uh, and so sometimes the differentiate differentiating factor on that, it, it could be, well, did somebody, I just disappeared for a second. I clicked anyway. the wrong button guys. It happens. I'm sorry. <laughs> but if it, it could be like Miller, let me just ask you this. Did sure. you... Did you know, like, did you just kind of have no indication from the Lord, like what it meant? And, and so you just shared the dream. Um, like, why did, let me just ask you this way. Why did you share the dream, but not the interpretation, your potential interpretation? Well, I, I guess I, I kind of did. I did share the interpretation and the revelation. I think the thing was uh, at that time, Michael, this was really early on in my time at Wellspring, right when we start doing stage ministry. And so I didn't know that I shouldn't always share the revelation. That's that's something that came later on. Um, and I know that now. I mean, and you know I know that now. But uh, at the time, I just shared both because I didn't know any better. Right. Absolutely. What about okay. dreams? Uh, Josh, I, I cut you off. What were you going to say? I was going to say, what about dreams that are like, not directional, but meant to communicate something? Like I, I can think of a specific dream that I, I, I had. I think I know the meaning of it, but but that happened right around the death of a, a, a pastor that I looked up to a lot that I sat under for a while. And before he died, I had a dream right before he died that I just assumed was meant to communicate something to me rather than direct me. Like, do you always assume that those are interpretive? Like, I don't, cause, cause I wouldn't take a dream like that to be literal as much as it is communicative of something. Do, am I being super vague? Um, yeah. A little bit. <laughs> I don't yes, understand. yes, being too vague. Okay, well, I, interpret I, your question for us. So, like, <laughs> so I realized as I was getting the question out uh, that that didn't make a ton of sense. Um, so, what about non-directional dreams? I suppose is my question. Like, mm -hmm. uh, directional dreams seem to have more of a literal bent to them. Again, brothers, have, you know, like the the the. 
the cupbearer, I guess those aren't directional either. Those are predictive. I, I'm, I guess most of the dreams of my life have been directive. They've been pointing me in a direction. And I've had very few dreams that were non-directional. And I've never known what to do with those kinds of dreams um, where I feel like God is trying to communicate something, but I don't know what to do with what he's communicating to me. So yeah. like, um, I, mean, I, I had, uh, go ahead. Yeah, I, I would say, I mean, the ratio has been very different for me. I would probably say I have fewer directional dreams than non-directional uh, dreams. I, in other words, I'm more non-directional. And a lot of times it can just be uh, a comforting word that the Lord wants to give me. And, um, you know, I've, I've had a dream before where, like, I I saw, gosh, I wouldn't plan on sharing this, but um, I, I saw a bunch of angels kind of like, weeping over me and I was like why are you guys weeping and then one one of them came down and it comforted me and I was and, and I woke up like not really knowing I'm like okay but I wasn't like going through anything hard um but then a couple of days later something really 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 hard happened and it was like the lord was letting me know that like he he was with me and felt loads of compassion for me and he was going to just surround me and um and he did. He totally did that. But it was like it was a dream of just like comfort, and I didn't really know what to make of it until a bunch of stuff went down that was really hard. So uh, I, you're, I just you're find give that me more context to that one later, Michael. I will. I'll tell you all about it. But I'm not going to do that on the show. <laughs> this was many years. <laughs> Everyone's being like well, super so, critical with this, their this, dreams. Like ah, this begs the question. Um, I've heard people teach this and I've always found it a little bit uh, uncomfortable. So I'd like to get your thoughts on it. Some people will say, well, that dream is from God. That dream is from Satan or that dream is from your soul. What do you say to those, that, that, that sort of <clears throat> sourcing of dreams? I mean, I think I, I've talked a lot. Uh, Josh, why don't you go? I think that's all true. I've got no problem thinking in those terms. Like, uh, I think that we have dreams that are natural, more natural, like um, called pizza dreams or whatever. Like I found, uh, yeah. So you, you, I think you can have dreams and you can be in specific states of mind when you go to sleep or things that you eat can affect the way that you dream. Uh, that's totally possible. Uh, I think that uh, I've, I've had dreams that were uh, terror-ridden pre-salvation mostly, uh, and maybe pre-salvation is a loose word, not living super faithfully with the Lord, uh, maybe a better way of talking about it, but where I would, I'd be almost terrorized, like sleep paralysis, not being able, and those, those dreams were terrifying. Um, and then, uh, yeah. And I've had other dreams that I just felt like were for sure God. I always pay attention to them though, because some people assume that if only God dreams are dreams that are worth paying attention to, I think that my subconscious, like, the things that my mind is thinking about and running and playing over in my head over and over again um, are important to take note of. Like, well, this is obviously an anxiety-ridden thing that's that's plaguing me and I'm trying to make sense of it. Like, I need to be aware of uh, the areas because a lot of, and again, I, I spent a little bit of time researching this stuff. There's no real great interpretation of what dreams are that aren't supernatural, but it appears that regular dreams are your body running through... Um, uh, situations putting you under necessary stress so that you can think through something that is going to happen or um, I, I'm having a hard time using my words today it's a um, 
it's a software that's running through uh, scenarios trying to protect you. Like, hey, this is a possible outcome. This is a possible scenario that's going to happen. And you need to be thinking through this. And your body is doing that while you're in a, a state of sleep. Uh, that's like the yeah. best explanation scientifically we have for dreams. But we don't really know what they are objectively. So, so I, I think that your body can can do that. That begs the question then. If, if dreams can come from those various different sources, then should you interpret them all and apply them all? What do you do with them when, because it's not like, I guess the question would be, is it intuitive to know where the dream comes from? And then secondarily, what do you do with it? Well, I think, I I think that you do the same thing with your own thoughts though. Like when we get on stage and do prophetic ministry and stuff like that, um, there's probably a a bazillion thoughts that run through your head that you go, that's not God. And like, after a while you start realizing the qualitative difference between your voice and God's voice. Like, I think over time, you you develop a sense of clarity over this thing. So I don't if if you can have a dream that comes from your subconscious and your own mind, mm-hmm. I, I think it's no different than your own imagination can create something in your own imagination and it not be God. So I've got yeah. no problem parsing those two things out. Um, also, we know that people have been empowered by demonic spirits to prophesy in scripture. So uh, the, realizing that there are different origins from the, you know, for kind of prophetic revelation, uh, I would just place that same category into uh, dreams and saying, yeah that, yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah, uh, I think uh, several thoughts that I have on this. I mean, one, I would agree generally with those distinctions. Some dreams can come from God, some from the devil, and some from just ourselves, right? And uh, definitely have had some demonic tormenting dreams. I've had dreams where I saw literal demons tormenting me and, uh, you know, woke up and felt pressed into the bed, couldn't say the name Jesus, took a lot of effort to finally get the name Jesus out. Finally, the demon goes away. I mean, I've had those kinds of things. In fact, you might be listening and you you, uh, are are having that experience. And uh, I just would encourage you to get some get somebody from your church to just pray over you. If you have. And in fact, guys, we should remember to do this at the end of the show. Pray for those who are having nightmares. Um, people are having habitual nightmares. Uh, there's often a demonic source for that, but we have the authority in Jesus to tell them to go. And uh, I have seen the Lord on many occasions heal people of, uh, of demonically induced nightmares. Um, another thing that I would say is that I, while I like the three distinctions from God, from ourselves, or from the devil, uh, I would also say that there, it, it's not always such a clear delineation. Um, for instance, like if you have a dream that's from God, I don't think that means that literally every single thing that happens in that dream was from God. Like you have to pay attention to like the pebble that was on the ground. Uh, And this is one of the things and we're going to get to in a moment. But one of the questions you ask yourselves about a dream is what detail sticks out to me the most. And uh, like, for instance, in my life, uh, early on in my leadership of my last church, I had a dream where I was in the back seat of the car, but I, and then other people were driving and, and they were like, it, like in the dream, the, the big thing that stuck out was why am I not driving? And it felt the whole time, like I was supposed to be driving, but I couldn't be driving. And there were lots of other things, you know, we're driving. We've by, all been with you. We know signs. you can't drive. Yeah. Well, my <laughs> wife would tell you, in fact, yeah, I usually don't drive because she, does not like my driving. So, um, <laughs> uh, anyway, but, uh, we're in counseling for that. I didn't not, you, not I'm really, sorry. Not really. But we probably should. <laughs> anyway. Um, but there were lots of other details in the dream 
but they weren't what God was speaking. God was trying to communicate to me in that moment. There was a situation where I wasn't really being a strong leader. I was being a weak leader and he was communicating to me, Michael, it's time to take the wheel and just lead in this scenario. And so it's one of the big questions you ask yourself is what, uh, what sticks out the most in this dream? And so I don't think that we need to pay attention to, I mean, certainly ask the Lord, but usually in a dream, like some of the stuff in the dream could just be you, even if God is speaking one kind of primary thing. And then I think there's, there's one more thing that I want to say, and that is uh, just because on this, on this subject, there are some of our viewers and listeners who are like even just clicking on a podcast that says it's called dream interpretation. Uh, there are certainly some who are like, what are these people going to say? And then maybe a little surprised that we're like Bible theology people like talking about dream interpretation. This is a little weird. I mean, uh, because we live in, in 21st century secular America. Nobody's talk, nobody talks about like what dreams mean and except maybe in the charismaniac space. But, but what we should recognize is that as far as I know, and I could be wrong about this, but as far as I know, there's never been a culture on planet Earth that didn't think that, uh, or that there's never been a culture that thought um, dreams mean nothing. Dreams are not some sort of spiritual communication. They, In other words, every culture in all of history, as far as I know, try to prove me wrong, but as far as I know, every culture I've ever read about has thought some kind of spiritual or divine communication comes through dreams. The one culture I know of is Western secular culture. And so we come into it thinking, well, dreams don't have any spiritual meaning. They might have some sort of symbolism to your brain and your subconscious kind of working out details. Uh, but the reality is every, every culture has thought this. And far more importantly, the Bible in both the Old and New Testament emphasizes the importance of dreams. I mean, Jesus's life was rescued because of Joseph's multiple dreams that he had. Uh, and then you have, I mentioned the one in Acts 16, there's another dream in Acts 18, and then there's the promise in Acts 2 about uh, your sons and your, you know, your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions in connection with the eschatological outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the church. Dreams should be a major part of the Christian life. And yeah. I, I just want to say that because we're, we're not cuckoo over here. We're not crazy. We actually believe what the Bible says. And, and if you're a, a Christian who thinks that people who thinks dreams have meaning are cuckoo and crazy, then go ahead and call Jesus's dad crazy and call Paul crazy and call Luke say crazy. Say to Jesus's face, why don't you? Yeah, why not? <laughs> I, I'm just saying uh, God speaks through dreams all the time. So uh, anyway, I just wanted to put those few thoughts in. Uh, you guys have any remarks on what I just said before I jump into a few more of the kind of how-tos on interpretation? Uh, the one thing I was thinking about when you mentioned the the Joel 2 prophecy fulfilled in Acts 2, it does seem that, uh, one, the God was pouring out dreams in the Old Testament, right? In Numbers, I think it's 12, where it says, God spoke with Moses face to face, not so with all the other prophets. With them, he speaks in dreams, riddles, dark sayings. But then in the New Covenant, you see dreams being a major line of demarcation, where it's no longer just prophets, priests, kings, judges. It's all who are in Christ. And so mm -hmm. dreams would actually be the new norm. It would be normative yep. for people today to have dreams that are actually from the Lord and meant to be interpreted. 
Absolutely. And that's also yeah. a key thing uh, is is the passage in, in Genesis 40, I believe, verse 8, where it says, uh, do not at all interpretations belong to God. And so having a dream, the only way to figure out what it means is to go to the source of the dream or to the one who knows all things, which is God. Amen. Yeah, I would only say that like with Michael's point, someone's going to try to find some culture that you know, didn't believe that dreams or couldn't prove that this dream, that, that they believe that dreams is some kind of supernatural communication. I think Michael's primary point is like post enlightenment, uh, the Western mind and the Western context is trying to rationalize everything um, to a, a hyper, hyper natural explanation. Like it's a naturalistic worldview. Yeah, it's a naturalistic worldview. Whereas we would just say post enlightenment, the, the known world that we have history of would say this has been uh, an understanding we, the understanding has been it's it's where the divine and human space meet and God speaks to people um, mm-hmm. in fact I would even go out to say that the the biblical writers seem to sp- like there's like a lot of times there's there's like an assumption that there is going to be interpretations for dreams like if you think about um, the king of Babylon and his dreams with Daniel um, you know his assumption was that God speaks to these people they'll know they'll get it you know what I mean um, or, or that was his expectation that he thrusted upon people. Um, you've got to be able to interpret this thing that's going on. So um, there was an expectation in pagan societies even that dreams had, you know, spiritual understandings and comprehension. And, this, and that's not to say that we have to pull from them to make sense of what's going on, uh, but it's just to say that the ancient Near Eastern world comprehended that God speaks through dreams. That was just kind of an well, It's certainly the worldview of the Bible, practice. that's for sure. Yeah, for sure. That's right. Uh, Ryan, should you jump but- in? Yeah, sure. Um, man, this question's good from Dustin Aguilar. What about yeah. interpreting certain objects, numbers, and colors to always mean specific things? For instance, do cars always represent ministry? Or people will say blue means revelation, red means the blood of Jesus, and so on. And um, and uh, here's what I would say. I, I think that it's okay to have, like, and, and maybe even good to have a general idea of what things can commonly mean. We just never want to be married to it. And, uh, and to Miller's point, he quoted earlier from Genesis chapter 40, do not all interpretations belong to God. Here's Daniel 2.18. It says um, that Daniel told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery uh, so that he and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. So they considered like an interpretation was seeking the mercy of God. And and when it came to this like statue of of the dream and you have like a a rock that or, or, or a dream of a statue and a rock that fills the whole earth and it becomes a mighty mountain and and like some of that imagery is replete throughout scripture like the mountain mount zion and uh representing empire and kingdom and so on so there there were symbols that were sort of like commonly symbolized certain things but they still had to rely on the mercy of god for the uh, for the interpretation. And if we get to like by the book, then we're not relying on mercy. We're relying on what the person who wrote the dream book said. And that would be my problem. And then sometimes that can be wrong. Like take, here's an example. Uh, take a serpent. What does a serpent mean? Well, uh, a serpent could be bad. It could be like, you know, the devil in the garden of Eden, Genesis chapter three. Uh, but what about the book of numbers where, uh, the serpent is the bronze serpent is lifted up. And when people look at it, they receive healing. So you see, like, in one case, the serpent represents something bad. And in another case, the serpent represents something good. And so you don't want to just, like, jump to this means this every time. Uh, so I think that's what I would say. Would you guys add anything to, to that? 
I think uh, it uh, oftentimes you'll find commonality commonalities uh, in symbols in particular cultures, and so like uh, you know in in certain parts of Africa where they don't have bread and somebody gives them you know food, they usually give them things like bananas, and that would be you know symbolic of sustenance. And and if it was God giving it to them, it's God is going to sustain you at a time where you're you need nourishment. Whereas here you might get bread and that's pretty obvious meaning to us, the nourishment we would get would be the Bible or, um, other things. So cars, that would be a, a natural part of our culture where it would probably have a common commonality in its symbolism. And so I, I, I think this is why you've got to be very careful because these things symbolize very, very different things in other cultures. And God, when he's speaking to them, he's speaking to them in languages or symbols that they themselves would probably understand. Um, but you okay. don't want to use that universally. And That's I like right. that. Um, John Paul Jackson has some interesting stuff on dream interpretation. And like these guys are saying, we're not going jump in on one person's ministry or one person's interpretation of things. But but he does a, a great job of distinctions there as well as to say, hey, this might represent ministry, but if you're a mechanic, man, this could really mean something completely different for you if you work on cars all the time. You know, horses could okay. represent power, but like if you're a horse trainer, maybe there's an entirely different rep- representation in your mind for this thing. So uh, I think that mm-hmm. you can you can approach things personally and realize, okay, what does this mean to me? What could this mean in a larger context as well? Um, so uh, I think, again, that's where the one-to-one correlation, this always means that, falls short consistently, is that we're individual persons and we live in different societies mm-hmm. and different cultures and different places on the earth. And because of that, um, those things are going to be those those images, those symbols are going to be interpreted in different ways in those different contexts. So it would be wrong to just kind of blanket, this always means that. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, yes, yeah. amen to everything that's said. Absolutely. Well, so let's walk through uh, some questions we need to ask ourselves. Uh, if, uh, I mean, so down to the two kinds of dreams, you've got literal and symbolic. If it's literal, you literally know what to do. The dream tells you. I mean, those, those dreams are wonderful. I love those dreams. It's just like, oh, I'm supposed to do this or, oh, this is going to happen. Like, okay, cool. Uh, usually they're symbolic. And if they're symbolic, here's some questions to ask ourselves. Uh, one I've already addressed is what sticks out the most. Uh, that's a really key, uh, a key question to ask. Here's another one. Uh, what kind of symbolism is present? So you could have biblical symbolism, contemporary symbolism, or personal symbolism. Uh, now these are Michael's distinctions here. Okay. So I'm just giving you tips from Michael here, but take biblical symbolism could be dove, could be water, could be blood, could be a cross. All of these are, are rich symbols in the scripture. And, uh, but let's just take the dove. And, and here's part of the reason why it's important to ask uh, is that it, dove clearly would represent the Holy Spirit. You think of, uh, say, Matthew chapter 3, Jesus getting baptized. The Holy Spirit comes down like a dove. And, uh, you know, the voice from heaven is here. Is her, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. So dove, if it's a biblical symbol, would represent the Holy Spirit. If you see a dove, maybe a dove is coming down on your head in your dream or something. You know, okay, maybe that's the Holy Spirit. But, you know, if it's a contemporary symbol, dove doves in culture tend to be more like... Um, the classic lovebirds, right? I mean, actually, you even see that in the Song of Solomon. You, you know, your eyes are like doves. Uh, doves were doves are sort of like the the consummate lovebird, and and so th- those are two different kinds of symbols. So you just have to ask, Lord, are you, are you are you talking about like love and romance? Is that kind of what you're talking about through the dove? Are you talking about the Holy Spirit? Uh, and, and so you want to ask, but 
examples of contemporary symbols, a car, garage, phone. Uh, I mean, phone I would probably take to represent communication in most situations. Uh, a car, I mean, it legitimately does, in my experience, tend to represent a ministry, um, but it doesn't have to. It could represent your career or something like that. Uh, in which case, a garage might represent sort of like a launching place for a new ministry or, you know, um, having a baby. It could be literal, like, man, I'm going to have a baby. It could also be symbolic for a new thing that God is birthing, but that would be a contemporary symbol. And the last one, I'm curious about you guys on this, on personal symbolism, if you guys ever uh, have had this, whether by dream or by vision. Uh, and, and what I mean by personal symbolism would be a little bit like, say, with me and my wife, we have certain inside communication that we just like understand when we're talking with one another and certain keywords or gestures or expressions that have their own meaning. And if you have anyone that's close to you, whether a spouse or a friend, I mean, even the three of us, we have like inside jokes with, with one another that no one else too is soon. in. We have to like be careful. We say too soon. <laughs> that we, to, like, that we don't make thing. in front of other people. <laughs> it's a, anyway. <laughs> right? Lots but of like, jokes. It's hit. Michael, watch out. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you guys this. Have you guys ever found that God spoke to you through a symbol that was personally meaningful to you, even though it wouldn't have meant anything to anybody else? I want I want Miller to share his story. Can would you? I don't want to put on the spot. I'll, I'll let you share the any story. story that you want, but I hope that you're sharing the story that I want you to share. I share know your story. I, I know what story what's, you're what's thinking story? of. It, I don't know it rhymes about. with Juan Hember. Uh, <laughs> oh, I thought yeah. you were going to talk about. I thought you were going to talk yeah. about the one about bird getting pushed out of the nest. But okay. Oh, that's a good one. But the other one, I feel like that one, that one to me, when you tell me that dream, I go, that guy represents something. And I think that's important. Yeah. Like, I think of that. You know what I mean? So, okay. There's been a few people that if I have dreams with those people in it, it's because of, it's God speaking to me about kind of the ministry calling on my life. And it used to happen where I would have dreams with Jack Deere in it. And this was before Jack was even discipling me uh, when I was just getting to know him. Um, but he would be, we would be in conferences together, casting demons out of people. And he was showing me, you know, how to pray for these various things. And then, um, you know, later on uh, in 2017, I had a series of dreams or encounters, I guess you could say. Um, and this is where it gets kind of tricky because it's like, this didn't feel like a dream. It felt like something different. Um, uh, but one of them was with John Wimber, Juan Wimber. <laughs> Would you say Juan Himber? <laughs> uh, I think I said Juan Timber, but you know, I'm just, I, I was just I trying to make up names. I can't share all the elements of the dream because some of it feels a little bit too personal. But um, yeah, so in the dream, I was at the Anaheim Vineyard and I was walking down a corridor a hallway and there's a big opening off to the right side and all of these circular tables where people would sit and do Bible studies together or prayer time together and that kind of thing. And on the other side of the hallway was somebody walking towards me. And as he walked towards me, I, uh, I looked at him and I was like, Oh my gosh, that's, that's John Wimber. And in my head, I was like, John Wimber's dead. Which, if you've ever dreamt about anybody who's like 
passed on, you usually in the dream aren't aware of them having passed on. In this case, I was fully aware of that. And I was like, something's, this is, this is different. I'm like, why is he in my dream? What is he, what is he doing here? You know? Uh, and he walks right up to me and he's got that, you know, that big grin of his. He's like, that's right. I'm here for you. And I was just starstruck. And, uh, yeah. And then, anyway, there was a few other things that happened in the dream that I'm not going to share, but, um, the thing about that was one, I woke up from the dream, uh, and I was fighting to get back in the dream. There were so many questions I had. Um, but then secondarily that year in particular, I started seeing a, a level of words of knowledge that I had never seen. And we've, we've got some, Josh, you and I did edit a video a while back, yeah. which would be good to show at some point in time of, um, me getting a word of knowledge where I was on a stage and said, Hey, there's someone, your name is this, and you have this issue. And sure enough, someone with that issue with that name gets healed. And, and I would start getting aliases that people went by or names they were only called when they were a kid or, you know, and, and then also, you know, infirmities that they had. And some of these were just so uncanny and specific, but in 2017, it was happening with regularity, uh, where people were getting healed over the phone and it still happens, um, on occasion. But, but I think what the Lord was doing was letting me know, um, uh, yes, this man you admire, he, he emulates very much the ministry that you're being called into to equip saints and, and gifts of the spirit. Um, but then on top of that, so like it was, it was affirming for me personally, but then also it came with a level of power, uh, and demonstration after the fact. Um, but yeah, I had so in terms of like, that was great personal symbolism in terms Thanks of a personal symbolism it. though, Miller, yeah. does, does John Wimber represent like signs and wonders to you? John Wimber represents the kind of ministry I want to demonstrate. I want lighthearted uh, approach, solid biblical teaching, and demonstrations of power. It is low, very low much, high big power. Yeah, low high big power, biblically serious. Like he Sound, he represents yeah. that to me. Yeah. So there, I, there you I have. I had it. a so similar. Might, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, I was just going to say I had a similar dream when when Steve died. Like that was a uh, a dream that um, I don't want to say it's similar, but like um, he he pulled up to. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was the, we were living at Christ for the Nations. He pulled up to the prayer room at Christ for the Nations. My wife was going to school there. I'd, I'd gotten a relationship with the school. Um, but I, I came out of the prayer room and he he opened the car doors. He, he had a green um, SUV or green van and he opened it up and, and his luggage was like falling out. And I helped him repackage all of his luggage, put it back into the car and then he drove away. And I think he died like two days later. Um so that was, it was an interesting dream for me as well, just because I was like, what meaneth this? Like here I am having this dream of this guy moving and leaving, moving on. Like he was literally moving out of state in the dream. Uh, and then he literally moves out of state as in like, you know, uh, out of the world, you know? Um, so, so, so it was an interesting, interesting in that regard, like what meaneth this right on the tail ends of this guy dying. But I think that those people, they, those people that we look up to that like, we like, Hey, this guy had a impactful ministry on my life. I think that those kinds of people, they represent things in our dreams that, um, that we should have to take note of, you know? Mm -hmm. That's good. Um, here's a good question from BJ. It actually re uh, references an old, old episode we did. Um, he says, what about the guy's dream about the angels showing him around New York and the towers falling? 
Okay, so this is a guy named Darren Hibbs, and he used to be in my own my old church. And Darren and I are uh, are yeah, I remember good Darren. friends. And um, yeah, Miller knows Darren. And I went through a few seasons where Darren, he was like, I've actually found this to happen in a few major transitions in my life, where the same person will keep giving me prophetic words, and they're stunningly accurate over and over again. And it's like. God is just laying out the future for me. Dar- Darren has been that for me on several occasions, so it's somewhat I, I trust a lot. Now, I did not know Darren in 2001 whenever he had these dreams, but I have known Darren to be insanely prophetic. And anyway, so and, and as well as very high integrity, so he wouldn't lie. But we had Darren on the show back in, gosh, Josh is two, three years ago now, and he talked about uh, it, the, it was in August of 2001 when he had the, the dream where an angel was showing him around Manhattan and then points out the two towers and, and Darren and the dreams kind of like, oh, cool, two towers. And then, and then they crashed to the ground. He said that he saw it and it was just like it ended up happening on TV. Like he, and he thought in his mind, why didn't they like turn over like you would picture like a tree falling? Uh, but they just crash straight down. He's kind of thinking about this. And then suddenly he sees all these people running and they're burning alive and like all just, just terrible. And it's just a very somber dream. And there's much more to it. You guys can go back and, and watch uh, that episode. Look up Darren Hibbs. I think it might've been called like judgment or judgment on America. I can't remember what he, what he titled his dream or, or what, what the episode was titled. And we were, we were kind of pontificating about the message that the angel shared with him afterward. Anyway, um, so uh, what was interesting, the reason I bring it up and, and BJ's question was when he woke up from the dream, you know, he was like a 19, 20 year old kid at Texas A&M at the time. Oh, we were, we were th- at school together. Yeah. So he was, he was thinking, I couldn't be literal. It's got to be symbolic. And so he, in thinking that it's symbolic, he tells his pastor and they end up sharing with the church, like, you know, I uh, felt like the Lord says people feel like their life is kind of falling down and falling apart and that kind of thing. Like he, he felt a somberness to the dream, but he just didn't even. And then when the two towers actually did fall a few weeks later, and there's a whole, there's much more to this. He had another spiritual experience right before. But anyway, um, when, when it actually happened, he felt a profound guilt. In fact, didn't just overwhelmed with guilt because he thought I could have stopped this and I didn't stop it. And so he uh, he's uh, written a book about this. And um, anyway, I, I just mentioned that. I just mentioned all of that just to say that it kind of comes back. I know it's backtracking a little bit to the literal versus symbolic, but um, the just the how big of a deal it is that we we try to sift through is this literal or is this symbolic? And uh, certainly, I think Darren came to the right position and it wasn't his fault that even if he had interpreted it the right way it's not like he was going to be able to stop that from happening uh and it's not like a government official would have listened to him like hey i had a dream to be like okay you know but sometimes god does just give us dreams to pray and that kind of brings us into the application part like sometimes we're just supposed to pray about something like like joseph probably shouldn't have been like prattling off to his brothers about like hey uh had these pretty awesome dreams like you could have bowed down to me bro (laughs) Like, uh, you know, Genesis 37, Joseph is portrayed as being the, uh, the bratty little brother. And, uh, yeah, he, and he really he was. shouldn't have done that. Brother. 
God used his brattiness just like he used the ruthlessness of his other brothers. What were you going to say? Well, that that was what I was going to say. It's like, I feel like God, God gave him that dream knowing that that's how he would act. Like it was a causal Mm -hmm. and effect. It came in a sense was a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like he, he couldn't have gone into Egypt and delivered his brothers from this horrible event. Had he not shared that dream, it was the dream that caused God was using his pride. Right. Yeah. Like God, God used it. Yeah. So, I'd also say that there are sometimes, I'll give you the example of when I got fired from my job, from my former church. Uh, my wife had a dream that uh, we walked into a meeting and were surprised and then fired from our jobs. And, uh, and she woke up from the dream just thinking that would never happen. Like God, clearly God is trying to, to say something to me or warn me and I looked at her and I said, no, sweetheart, this is God telling us this is about to happen. And he's letting you know beforehand so that your heart wouldn't grow bitter and cold towards these people. Um, and then it literally happened just as she dreamt it, every single detail. But the the quickness she had to uh, to to think this is just so incredulous. There's no way this could happen. Uh, and I think I would imagine that's probably a similar to what happened with Darren. But I think the reason the Lord sometimes gives these dreams is, is not necessarily to change anything, uh, but just simply to protect us and let us know that he's still sovereign despite these things happening that seem like chaotic, right. like God is not in control when in fact he knows that's exactly right. what's happening. I, yeah. Those you dreams know, that I told you that were directional, I, like some of the dreams that I have, what will happen is I'll, I'll have a dream. I'll go, okay, kind of get the general sense of what's going on here. But then in 10 years or five years or whatever it is, I look back and go, oh, he had, this was his plan. Like he understood this was all going to happen. Like I, I don't realize the interpretation for the dream until I'm on the back end. And I'm, I'm, I've got lots of confusion and worry and like, am I in the center of God's will? I don't hear God. I'm not feeling God. I'm not experiencing God. What am I supposed to be doing here? And then suddenly back to my remembrance comes this dream that I had five years ago, eight years ago, whatever. And I go, whoa, like all of those things have happened and they've been, they've been kind of anchors to go, okay, he's, he's really in control of this. Um, but it's on the back end that I realize it. It's not on the, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't get the interpretation on the front end. Yeah. Yeah. And you talked about sovereignty a minute ago, Josh, and I think that's another element to this. Um, and particularly with relation to Joseph's dreams. And if you notice there's, there's this repetition of pairs throughout Joseph's story from uh, Genesis 37 to Genesis 50, uh, where he has two dreams about his future in Genesis 37. And then Pharaoh has two dreams. And then the cupbearer has two dreams. And the baker has two dreams. And what he tells, I can't remember if it's the cupbearer or the baker, what he tells them is like, uh, oh, well, the reason that you had two dreams, or, well, maybe it was Pharaoh. Gosh, I can't remember who he tells this, but he does say this. Uh, the reason there are two dreams is that it's fixed. This can't be changed. And the implication is there there are some dreams where it is a warning, and this is to be avoided. And we have examples of that in Matthew 2 and Joseph trying to avoid uh, Herod and so on. But um, th- so there are dreams that it's like, hey, this can be avoided if you just follow <laughs> directions, so to speak. Uh, but there are other dreams that are just they're just telling you what's going to happen. And there's just a sovereignty element to it. But the at, at least in the Genesis story, the two is is very important. And of course, in the book of Genesis, providence is one of the hugest themes of the book of Genesis. Uh, but let's keep walking through. So we, we're asking ourselves, what kind of symbolism is present? Is it biblical, contemporary, or is it personal? 
Um, we've asked ourselves what sticks out. Uh, uh, a kind of obvious one is what is the commonplace association of this symbol? Um, so if you see an axe cutting down a tree, that could be like, you know, maybe something's about to get cut off or something's about to be, I don't know, some coming to an end or something like that. You, you just, the, there's just kind of an obvious intuitiveness to a lot of symbols. Um, but here's another one that I think is understated and under less, not talked about enough. And that is how did you feel during the revelation? And so I would say, um, like a, for instance here, let's say you have a dream about somebody kissing somebody, like just a kiss on the cheek. Okay. Now, if, if it was like bright, sunny and wonderful, you might think about Bible verses, like greet one another with a holy kiss. Maybe, maybe you see uh, it, like if it's a happy mood and it's a good setting, maybe it could speak of some kind of business deal or some, you know, of course in, in Europe, that's, that's. They, they greet each other like that in a lot of countries around the world, really. Uh, you, you know, it could be like a kind, warm greeting. But then we think about Jesus being betrayed with a kiss. And so you imagine, like, let's say you have a dream and someone kisses someone on the cheek and it's dark and dreary. And you feel this sense of hurt and betrayal. So it's the same picture. It's a kiss. But just kind of what is the mood what, what do you feel during it? And I would, I would say that when it comes to prophetic revelation, that's one of the hugest things that I pay attention to is how did I feel during it? Does it was it generally good or was it generally bad? Uh, have you guys ever noticed that, whether in dreams or visions, that that, that becomes relevant for you? Yeah, I tend to think of uh, one dream I had that felt defiling to me. And it was God's way of actually letting me know about a behavior of mine and how that would be, if, if I, if I conduct that behavior, that's how people would feel on the receiving end of it. Mm -hmm. And so it was a warning. And I think it was a warning to stay away from sin. And I'm, you know, I, I still look at it and just like, wow, that's incredibly thankful. I, I'm incredibly thankful for allowing me to feel that emotion of feeling defiled in that time. So that way I would know never to commit that behavior. Cause that's the mm -hmm. impact it would have on others. That's good. That's good. I had a recent dream with, uh, F Floyd. He was my, my senior pastor, my, one of my last pastors that I worked for and with. And, uh, I had three separate dreams and he was in all three of the dreams. Um, but I haven't talked to him in like three years and I, he was in all three of my dreams and, uh, <laughs> we were dry. We were in Texas, uh, visiting the, the church that he pastors and he, as he was preaching, his notes were the same as my notes. And I just felt like, wow, this is super confirmation. Like this is a confirmation from the Lord. And then we got into the car and realized as we were traveling back home that, um, to Ada, um, that it was going to take too long to get there. Like we had changed our service times. And by the time I arrived, the congregation that I had was a different congregation. It was a bunch of young people from my past, like, well, not young people from my past, yeah, it was, it was young people from my past, I suppose, but like old friends of mine. And they were all just like wildly disappointed that I showed up late. And it was really kind of an unsettling sort of dream. And I again woke up with that really unsettling feeling. And what the wildest thing about the dream was that Floyd called me that week, like Monday. And, um, uh, and I hadn't, like I said, I hadn't talked to him in three years. And it was just like so confirming back to back, like, what is it? What does it mean? What meaneth this? And again, I feel like this is going to be one of those dreams that I look back on and go, geez, Louise, like, ah, that's what that means. Um, but 
yeah, still not not explicitly sure what exactly it means, but that it, it does seem to be one of those kind of fixed situations. Um, mm-hmm. And the dream, and like talk about disappointment, everyone in the dream were people who have done nothing but like think the world of us. Like I had a, a coworker in the dream who tried to like hook me up with their daughters when I was, you know, 16 year old and working at Starbucks and they were a coworker of mine. And and another one was were people who've done ministry with us for like a decade and love us and send us messages like, hey, proud of you. Keep it up. Like it, it was like it, the the disappointment that they had was so meaningful because it, everyone had it. Um, yeah, it was one of those things that I still don't have a, a great sense of, but I do have a sense that it is the Lord and that there there seemed to be a repetition of the dream. It seemed to be, hey, you know, this is happening uh, it, in the natural. It was confirming that he called me. And in talking about being late, I had this dream when I was in, um, uh, we, my wife and I were on a cruise for our anniversary. Um, our car broke down and we literally couldn't get to church. Like it was, it was a literal, like it literally happened like in the natural too, on a couple of different ways, we couldn't get home because the car broke down. Um, and we got there later than we had anticipated. So there, there were some, some odd confirmations in the natural, but I don't think that it really was fulfilled yet either. So, um, anyway, yeah, yes, I've had those dreams. You and I have processed that one a lot. And I, I think it's one of those Josh where you, you're not going to really know until afterward. And it's going to be a big confirmation for you because it, it, you know that it's from the Lord, like it already happened in part. But I think that there's some that it's like the Lord just withholds the mystery of it until that. Like Joseph didn't really, in fact, if I remember right in the Joseph story, it was when he uh, when he saw his brothers and it's, I think the text says, and he remembered his dreams. And it was like, whoa, this is really happening. Like everything that, that I just- That happens a lot to me. Yeah, so yeah. I, think it's, I think it's probably gonna be one of those for you. Um, Hey, I want to um, just kind of tie this up. There's more in this handout, but um, but basically, let me just summarize it. One, is it literal or symbolic? Two, what kind of symbolism is present, biblical, contemporary, or personal? Uh, three, what is the commonplace association of the symbol? Next, what, what sticks out the most? Uh, next, how did you feel during the revelation? And um, another question would be... Uh, what time frame does this revelation speak of? Is it talking about in the past? Is it talking about in the future? Is it talking about in the present? Timing is one of the hardest things to get in the prophetic, but we're running short on time, so we're not going to spend a lot of time on that. Unintended. Um, yeah, and then getting, uh, yeah, getting feedback. If we're ever to grow in our interpretive skills, we must get feedback to determine where we missed it. So, and that's just kind of paying attention to. I mean, like for instance, Miller, the dream that you shared with the church. You got you had a live feedback and it was like okay so here's what that means it's an all of that's an important part of growth um guys i know we, we might go a couple minutes over here but i just thought this would be like maybe a good exercise for us pull up josh if you could on the screen that dream by randy escalante garcia um and it's super short and you know we thought about having people send in dreams and that'd be fun maybe we'll do that for a future episode but it's if it's too long, we, we just can't do it. I like this one because it's a sh- it's short and sweet, so uh, so it's easy for us to just respond on the spot. But he- here it is, guys. Let's interpret this together. He says, "I had a dream where God stopped me from giving in to bad temptation. The Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, uh, spoke to me, and what he said was my name in a whisper. And that was last week. It was wild. Okay, so I think." Josh and Miller, 
Um, I mean, the big question is, what does this mean? God stopped him from giving in to a temptation, and the Holy Spirit spoke his name in a whisper. So what does all that mean? Do you guys have any thoughts? I'm notoriously bad at dream interpretation. I just tell uh, my wife all the dreams. Or when people say, hey, can you interpret this for me? I'm like, here, let me introduce you to my wife. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that I think that Roundtree is probably going to have a better grasp of this kind of thing for, than I would. But I'll, I'll take a stab at it. Um, uh, and then I'll let you correct anything that you think is wrong. But um, in the dream, God is calling him by name, like who he really is, like calling him out of something. Um, I think that seems to be a simple interpretation of something that's real punchy, but um, Mm -hmm. the the calling of God in scripture, um, calling people by name, um, you know, I think of calling people to the wedding feast, calling people to uh, faithfulness to the covenant, calling people to um, uh, serve, follow Jesus. Like the the calling uh, often in scripture is uh, vocational. It's often um, calling them out of things into other things. Um, you know, we are being conformed to the image and nature of Christ. Like that's, that's what our calling, our hope in Christ Jesus. So I would say that like, uh, that is probably a one in the same. Why did he whisper your name? Because he's speaking to who you are, not, not what you're doing. Um, that, that's probably how I would take a stab at that. Yeah, no, that, that's good. So here, here's kind of what I'm thinking. Um, I, 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 so let me read it one more time. I had a dream where God stopped me from giving into a bad temptation. The Holy Spirit spoke to me and it was my name in a whisper. Okay. I think of the significance of naming in the scripture. I mean, from Genesis one, where God's, God is naming, you know, the, the lights and the, uh, and like all through the creation narrative, he's naming this, naming that, naming this, naming that. And then in Genesis two, Adam is going to subdue the earth by naming the animals and naming in the Hebrew mind speaks of authority, of mastery. So just as God has authority over the heavens and the earth, Adam has authority over the animal kingdom, and he's beginning to exercise that authority to subdue the earth by classifying the animals according to their names. And um, and then fast forward a little bit in the Genesis story. You remember in Genesis 32, um, this episode, maybe it's becoming obvious, Genesis is one of my fave books, but uh, Genesis 32, uh, Jacob is wrestling with the Lord, and they're going all night long at it, and the Lord, who comes to him in human form, uh, I would say the pre-incarnate Christ, and uh, of course, God shows that he is humble enough to let us wrestle with him until we exhaust our strength and learn to rely on him. That's a picture of what's happening with Joseph. But uh, Joseph is going, 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 and he says, tell me your name. Well, that's his way of saying, like, basically, um, like, I'm calling this match. I'm going to win. I'm going to be your master. And the Lord says, not going to tell you my name, but I'll give you your name. Your name is no longer Jacob, but Israel. Uh, for, you've, uh, for you've wrestled with man and God, but you've overcome and uh, which is connected with him holding on and asking for the blessing too. Anyway, but the point is he doesn't get to uh, he doesn't get any sort of intel on the Lord's name, but he end, ends up getting named, and it's like Jacob wins by losing. He he wins by realizing that God is truly his authority, and he's been wrestling with God his whole life, and finally, it's like he submits to him, and he walks away with a limp. And so you have a picture there of like the significance. I've given you some examples biblically of the importance of name. In fact, another one would be when Jesus cast out Legion. Uh, when he says, what is your name? This is Jesus taking authority 
and the demon has no choice but to tell him. And so there's a connection with authority. And so Randy, what I would say is that the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said my name in a whisper. The Holy Spirit is communicating to you that you do have authority over this thing, but it comes by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is your helper. Uh, it's The Holy Spirit is, is the one who empowers you and strengthens you to overcome temptation. Romans chapter 8, it says, if by the Spirit I put to death the deeds of the body, I'll live. And so, uh, and so there could be a scenario where it just seems like, man, this thing's impossible. But the Lord, it's like he's encouraging you and saying, I'm your helper. And I, uh, and I will empower you to overcome this thing. And so it's, you know, God stopped me from giving into a bad temptation. Uh, now it could be something that you're walking through right now, Randy, or it could be something that's about to come up in the future where it's like, oh my gosh, I don't think I can overcome this. And it's like, the Lord is just saying, oh, oh, but you can, you actually do have authority over this. And I can remember times in my life when I thought, man, it's impossible for me to overcome this thing. And, uh, and the Lord had to kind of renew my mind on that. And that's a big part of how I overcame was realizing in Christ, I do have authority over this thing. So that's how I would interpret it. What do you guys think? It was Here's what Randy says. Yes, sir. Wow. Thank you, Roundtree. As well, <laughs> Revealed Ministries. Thank you. Okay. Yes, you're welcome, Randy. Uh, do, do you guys have it's, anything it so to add much, to that? What do, you, what do you think? Yeah, it was so much better than my non-interpretation. it's good i think i think that's exactly what it should be so but but what you could see there is i i took the biblical symbolism of it and i of just the name and so i do find that that's really really helpful when it comes to dream interpretation or interpretation of visions so uh anyway guys it's uh 509 central time we're 10 minutes over Josh Miller, do you guys have anything to to add? I'll have one more thought, but I want to volley it over to you guys first. Yeah, I am terribly excited to see you guys tomorrow. I'm like, I this, I've been telling my wife almost every day. I'm so excited for this weekend. So that's all I got to say. Uh, we're we're heading out to North Carolina tomorrow for a conference, and so we still have room left for anybody who wants to sign up to be a part of it. But guys, I'm I, I'm just really looking forward to it. And pray for us. Pray that we see just really awesome power and healings for people who need it and deliverance for those who need it and prophetic words for those who need it. Just, I want to see all of those things and for people to get to have an experience of those things. So they know God cares about them and knows that he's real and loves them. Yeah. Yeah. Be praying, be praying for that and be praying that people at the conference learn how to do stuff because I think our, our heart in all of this in doing a conference on healing and deliverance is not that we would come in, blow up, blow up, what was it? Blow in, blow up, blow out. That's how it goes. Um, but that we would come in and, and show people this is biblically how you can pray for people. This is biblically how people can get delivered and that they can take that back to their homes and in and, and churches and, and own local context. So I, that would be my closing thought as well is, is pray for us because I definitely want to see demonstrations of power. I definitely want to see back of the enemy broken I have a bit of a vendetta uh recently uh there was a bit of liberty uh when it comes to deliverance i'll tell that story at the conference uh not for me Dude, personally that but in story my family. is freaking nuts it's nuts and and so i i kind of have a bone to pick right now so i'm kind of excited to see god break the back of some 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 devils uh but then simultaneously you know i know people have been oppressed and walking through bondage for months years i want to see them liberated but i i more than anything that i w- once i saw asbury and saw the power of like 
people are coming to experience revival, but they're also taking this back to their university. They're taking this back to their their home, their church, and they're seeing this kind of thing lit in their own community. It's really given me a lot of excitement and faith that, you know, conferences like this can have a multiplying effect in the kingdom. Um, so that's really what I, if you had to pray for one or the other, pray for the latter, I feel like uh, I want to see both, but uh, I'd really want to see people empowered because, man, we need healthy, biblical, sound, uh, high power, low hype, charismatic expression in the body of Christ right now. And it's something I'm, I'm really excited to see. So be praying for that. Roundtree? Yeah, cool. Uh, man, I just wanted to finish by praying for people who are having nightmares. Uh, I don't, I, I can't talk right now. Um, I have seen the Lord heal this so many times. And I, I'm yeah. one who believes that 1 Corinthians 12, where it talks about gifts of healings, I don't know with sleep issues i've just god has used me in a, a lot of times to heal sleep issues trouble sleeping nightmares uh so i just want to break that off of uh, some of our viewers so if you're listening yeah. or watching i just want you maybe put your hand over your forehead kind of just oh, it's really over your mind and uh and i just want to uh i'm just gonna ask the lord to break that power over you and uh and come with confidence that He'll actually do it and he'll set you free because he loves you so much. Um, so let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I just pray for all uh, everyone who's listening to this podcast. And Lord, we come to you in faith because you have all power and all authority over all things. And we also come to you because you're so rich in mercy and full of love. And so, Father, I pray for each of these individuals who has placed their hand over their forehead and uh, as an act of faith. Lord, we're asking you for a gift that none of us receives none, or deserves. None of, us, none of us deserves any sort of healing or any kind of breakthrough. But because of your work on the cross, you pour out grace upon us. Yeah. So in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I break the power of nightmares over this person nightmares go in the name of jesus and if there be any power of darkness that is manipulating this person's thought life or dream life i just command that dark power to go in the name of jesus submit to the authority of the lord jesus christ who has all authority in heaven and on earth i command you to leave in the name of jesus and I break the power of nightmares over this person. And I pray for sweet sleep in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, guys. Amen. Well, there you go. Guys, thanks so much for tuning in to Remnant Radio. Hit that like button, that subscribe button. Share this podcast around. We look forward to seeing you at the conference this weekend and then seeing you next week for more Remnant Radio shows all the time. So, uh, guys, really appreciate y'all's support. Bless you and have a great week. I'm just going to leave the camera on you because it, it's funny gonna, to me. It just like, make makes you uncomfortable. Camera yeah. stop looking.
want to thank Kairos Classrooms for sponsoring this episode of Remnant Radio. And if you're out there, you've ever wondered, hey, I wonder if learning a biblical language would be a supplemental tool for me to help me in my biblical studies. Well, you need to check out Kairos Classrooms. They offer Greek and Hebrew classes that can help teach you and train you. It's a live classroom environment with actual students and actual live teachers, and they help teach you the biblical languages of Greek and Hebrew. You need to check out Kairos Classrooms today. There's a link in the description, and you can use the promo code REMNANT to get 10% off. These classes are already crazy affordable, but with the promo code REMNANT, R-E-M-N-A-N-T, you'll get 10% off of Kairos Classrooms. So check that out today. And thank you so much for Kairos for sponsoring this episode of REMNANT Radio.